Please join with me in our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord God, author of our great story, open our hearts and minds this day to the truth you revealed through the words of Jesus. Through your spirit, make these readings come alive, not only in our imagination, but in the work of our daily lives, till all the world reflects your kingdom. Amen. Scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Jesus replied, A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road, and when he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. And then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy towards him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Uh, before I get started, I'd like to say off, say that it's been a great time, great eight weeks. Uh, people kept saying to me, I said eight weeks. I have two more weeks left. Um, so this isn't my last Sunday here for those of y'all wondering. Um, it's been a wonderful community. This is a great community of believers, and thank you so much for welcoming me and making me feel at home here. Now, most of the pastoral staff was at Lakeview this week, and Peter was the water specialist, which means he drove around in a golf cart filling up water coolers the whole week, and I was with 10 6th and 7th grade boys for an entire week, so... The shadow part of the internship did not include filling up water bottles for an entire week. So would you all bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. So when Peter asked me if I wanted to do the Good Samaritan, I was like, yeah, that'll be super easy. I can do that. Good first sermon to start out with. But the more... I read it, more I was like, this is kind of a difficult story now that you think about it. Even simple things Jesus says are difficult once you really look at them. And another challenge I thought I might run into is that it's a very well-known story. Like we have Good Samaritan laws that prevent people from getting sued if they help out their neighbor. You'll see things on Facebook that says, this guy was a Good Samaritan, check it out, click the link. And so, 
how is it that I can tell this without having y'all tune me out? Y'all don't do that, no, no. It's, it's kind of like when uh, your parent or grandparent starts to tell you a story that you've heard for, I don't know, maybe the, the hundredth time, and you just sort of, oh yeah, I've heard this before, and you smile, nod, and laugh at the appropriate moments, but you're not really listening at all. So my hope is that this is not one of those times where y'all tune out the pastor, no. So let's look at the parable of the Good Samaritan in a new light and learn what it truly means to love our neighbor. So to start out, I think we need to look at the first five verses beforehand. So if y'all would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and we're gonna start at verse 25, or you can look at the screens. So Luke 10, 25. Just then, an expert of the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think it's important to look at the word, or to look at what an expert of the law is. Now, in those days, uh, you know those super exciting Levitical, Deuteronomic laws that y'all do for your devotional every single day? The ones that get you super excited? Yeah, this was what that guy read and memorized. He loved reading these. He knew them ups and downs, backwards and forwards. He was basically like a Google search bar, but for Mosaic law. So he comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's not a question you really want to get wrong. So it's a very important question that he asks Jesus. And so you have Jesus teaching, preaching, doing miracles, all the classic Jesus stuff that he does. When here comes this lawyer trying to test him. And scripture goes on. Verse 26, what is written in the law? Jesus asked him, how do you read it? The lawyer answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. You have to love what Jesus does here. He takes the question the lawyer asks, and he turns it around. He gets this hotshot, arrogant lawyer a chance to prove himself, and the lawyer does not disappoint. Jesus finds the answer satisfactory, and to him, It's over, go and do this. Very simple command, love God with your whole being, love your neighbor as yourself. There's really no need for a parable at this point, so he doesn't tell one. But the lawyer is not quite done. Now pay attention to this next verse because it's what the entire parable hinges around. Verse 29, but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I want to focus for a little bit on the word justify. In Greek, the word justify is dikaiosai, which means to render a favorable verdict. Or in this case, it means to uh, prove oneself in front of the community. So basically what the lawyer is trying to do is to have everyone look at how righteous he is. He's trying to show off to the fellow Jews listening to Jesus that he has been righteous all along. And so he asks a clarifying question, who is my neighbor? But that's not what he's really asking. If you look at what he's really asking, he's asking who is worthy of my love? Or what's the rule that I have to follow to love someone? And don't we do that too? We try to justify ourselves. Whether it's something we intentionally do or not, I think it's something we all struggle with. We like to justify ourselves. We'll say things like, well, I know I don't love the guy down the hall at work who's really annoying and gets on my nerves, but hey, the guy's in my Sunday school. 
I love them a lot. Look at me loving my neighbor. Or there's that kid at school who's really weird and he talks to us a lot. I don't like talking to him. But the guys in my youth group, man, I love them. Look at me loving my neighbor. And these are thoughts that I too have had. Like, uh, so at school there's like a common room. It's like a big living room but for guys. And different people from different suites will all come into this room. And there was this one kid who would come in consistently, I would say probably at least twice a week. And he was putting it bluntly, very socially awkward. He was the guy who would say all the wrong things and would make you cringe at every word you would say. And when he opened his mouth, you sort of held your breath because you knew it was probably something that you were uncomfortable with. It was so hard to love him. Was he really someone worthy of my love? If Jesus was here, he would understand how hard it is to love this guy. We justify ourselves. So we ask Jesus questions like, who is our neighbor? Hoping that he'll tell us it's who we've been loving all along. So if this rule is so simple, love God, love others, why is it so hard for us to follow? And this brings me to my first point, that Christianity is not merely a set of rules to be followed. Jesus recognized that the lawyer didn't get it. He was trying so hard to make sure that he followed all the rules that he thought he might not be following them exactly, so he wanted Jesus to make it clear. And again, eternal life question. It's very, very important. Not really one you want to get wrong. So he makes sure that he's following the rule correctly. But the question he asks is a limiting question because the commandment is explicit Love your neighbor. In Greek, the word neighbor is uh, plesion, which literally means anyone who's geographically close to you. So y'all are my neighbor. When you're at Brew and Bake getting a cup of coffee, everyone in the coffee shop is your neighbor. When you're in the cafeteria, everyone in the cafeteria is your neighbor. So the commandment itself with the word is very, very clear, anyone who's close to you. But why do he need a clarifying example? He wanted to make sure that he was following the rule, that the people that he had deemed worthy of his love were only the ones he was supposed to love. And don't we do that too? Make Christianity just about following the rules? We probably, again, don't do it intentionally, but we do do it. It's easy to simplify Christianity to a bunch of rules. I have to make sure I pray today. I have to read my scripture today. I have to go to church on Sunday or I have to give my tithe. Rather than it being an outpouring of who we are transformed by God, it becomes a codified set of rules externally placed upon us. I don't know if y'all know Legos. Y'all know Legos? Uh, One of my favorite things growing up as a kid, and I remember one Christmas we got this X-Wing, and it was super awesome because it was a Star Wars X-Wing. I love Star Wars Legos. And so I was super excited but I'm not that creative, so I couldn't just pick up all the pieces and put the X-Wing together. So I had to follow the manual that came in. And in order to get the, the jumbled up pieces of Lego to look like the X-Wing, I had to follow the manual exactly as it said. And if I strayed, well then went like the thing on the box, and that's what I wanted. I wanted the thing on the box. And we treat religion like it's a Lego manual that we have to follow each thing exactly as it says, and if we stray off path, then we're not gonna get the X-wing at the end. It becomes legalism for us. It's no longer about living a life transformed 
by the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but rather it becomes rules to follow. And I know I'm guilty of this. About, uh, I think it was six weeks ago today, uh, with the floods in Houston, one of the things that we did was we went into Houston and helped flood victims. And I remember being there, and I didn't, really didn't want to go, but I went because Peter told me to go. <laughs> so I'm there, and I really didn't want to be there. And I remember thinking, man, the only reason I'm here is because Jesus told me to do it. I had taken an opportunity to love someone who didn't know God, and I had turned it into simply following a rule. And Jesus understands that the question the lawyer asks is a matter of the heart, so he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you notice, Jesus never answers the lawyer's question. Why does he not do that? Because if he, just, he could just as easily said, everyone is your neighbor, and then moved on with his Jesus life. But he doesn't do that. He makes, he, because if he just said, everyone is your neighbor, it would still be about following a rule and Jesus didn't want him merely to follow a rule. And so the next point is that Christianity is about radical compassion for people. Let's look at the three different characters in the story. There's the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. So starting on verse 30. Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side of the road. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. Priest and Levite are essentially the same character. There were both people who performed religious duties for the Israelites. They are the ones who worked in the temple. They did the temple sacrifices. They led the people in worship. They were the ones who followed all the rules correctly. Now, in order to do religious sacrifices, you had to stay ritually clean. Um, and one of the things that to stay ritually clean is that you can't touch dead people. If you touch a dead person, you have to go through the ritual purification, which takes about a week. Uh, before you become clean again. And most likely what was happening is they were going from Jericho to Jerusalem to have their turn at the temple. Uh, in those days, there wasn't a senior pastor of the temple who did all the temple sacrifices. They did a rotating um, thing. So like it was their week to work at the temple. So if they touched this man and they'd become unclean, they'd miss out on their chance to work at the temple for the year and they didn't want to risk it. So they actively go out of their way on the other side of the road. So that way they don't risk having to touch him and losing this opportunity. Why is it that they did that? Because they were trying to follow the rule of staying ritually clean. They didn't think that this man beaten up, lying half dead on the side of the road was worthy of their love. They were focused on living a life of following the rules rather than living a life of compassion towards people. Their hearts had become hardened and callous doing the work of God that they forgot about the people of God. I don't know about you, but when I say that, I think back to all the times in which I too have been like a priest and a Levite, in which I have passed by on the other side of the road. Like going up to Houston, I'd be a homeless man on the side of the road and I found myself in the left-hand lane suddenly in the right-hand lane so that way I didn't have to make eye contact with him. Or when that 
socially awkward kid would come into my common room, I suddenly realized that there was something I needed to do in my bedroom. And I don't think we maliciously choose to not love people because it's uncomfortable for us to love people who are different. It's hard. And we like to stay in our comfort zone. It's easier to ask Jesus, who is my neighbor, hoping he reassures us it's the people we already love rather than getting out of our comfort zone. But in my experience, my, sh- my short experience, uh, something God has continually showed me is that he is usually outside of my comfort zone. So going on in scripture, verse 33. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he gave the innkeeper two denarii, and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever else I owe. So the other character, you have the two priests and Levites, who are the people you would expect to help out the little uh, guy beaten up half dead. And you have the Samaritan, who is hated and despised by the Jews. Like, it was a word of contempt said on the Jews, like, ugh, Samaritan, ugh, just terrible people. In scripture, we see this in John 8:48. The Jews responded to him, him being Jesus, aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan and have a demon? And if you look at the lawyer's response at the end of the story, he doesn't say it was the Samaritan that was the hero of the story. It was the one who had mercy. He couldn't even bring himself to say the Samaritan did good. So we have this lowly, worthless Samaritan that Jesus brings up. To his Jewish audience, they're like, oh my gosh, what's he gonna do next? He's probably gonna go over and kick the man, because that's what Samaritans do. That's not what happens. In the plot twist of plot twists, Jesus talks about the compassion of the Samaritan. This is a fun Greek word, the word compassion. It's, as Kate said, (laughs) if there is such a thing as a fun Greek word. Uh, The Greek word is splognizomai. And it literally means a deep movement within your innermost being. And so it's like when you see injustice in the world and you have this feeling deep inside of you that says, that's not right. I have to do something about that. That's compassion. Compassion is a feeling deep inside that forces us to act. As I was doing my preparation, I was doing my, uh, I was praying, I was like, God, what do you want me to focus on? So God answered that morning in my daily devotional. uh, And J.D. Walt, the guy who does Seedbed Daily Text, uh, wrote this. Compassion is not a pre-planned mission trip, although those can be filled with compassion. Compassion is a Holy Spirit-formed disposition deep within one's inner person. As Jesus constantly demonstrates, compassion is in the nature of God. Compassion is not what we do with our loose change. It's a way of being deeply attuned to other people, seeing past their problems and into their nature. Compassion happens when the broken image of God in me sees the broken image of God in another. It moves from a posture of helping a brother out to holding a brother's pain. It costs a lot more than money. It requires us to give our lives away. So if we look at the action of the Samaritan, he not only 
does the bare minimum, which is take care of the injured guy, make sure he's not gonna die. He goes out of his way to ensure that he is well taken care of. So what does it mean to love our neighbor? It means that we're radical with our love. That we not only make those who come in the doors feel welcome, but we make them feel like a long lost friend. That we don't only focus on those who come inside the door, but we have compassion for those outside the walls. Because something deep inside us tells us that those who don't know Christ need it, and that there is something that we have to do about that. We can't just pass by on the other side of the road. So do we have a church of Samaritans or priests and Levites? Do we try to keep our church clean? Do we have compassion for the broken and hurting in the world? For those who have been left for dead on the side of the road, abandoned by everyone else, do we treat the people living in sin like the man on the side of the road? Don't come to us when you're so broken like that. Fix yourself up and then we'll welcome you. Keep your problems outside of these walls. Put a smile on your face and act like everything is okay, even if you're dying on the inside. Or are we going to be a Samaritan church, a compassionate church, a church that is so passionately pursuing after God's own heart that seeing the broken and lost in the world creates a movement within our being that we say we can't let this stay the way it is and it forces us to act. I wanna point out what Jesus asks the lawyer. He asks which of these men was a neighbor? Parable doesn't answer the lawyer's question, but instead what it does is it pokes and prods at the heart of the lawyer. And so if you can imagine for a second being this lawyer, thinking I'm so self-righteous, look at me. I'm following all the rules the way I need to. And to have Jesus tell the story and seeing this self-righteous image shatter around him. And you can almost imagine him whispering the answer to Jesus. It was the one who had compassion. Loving others is not about how well we follow God's rules. It's about living a life transformed by the message of Christ. Scripture reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. Behold, a new life has come. Each of us has the opportunity to be this new creation. Will we choose to let the love of Christ transform our hearts? The cross outside the sanctuary, Pierre told me at orientation uh, eight weeks ago that the cross, every church at chapel has had a cross outside the sanctuary as a reminder that that's where the work of God is, that Christ is actively in the world and we need to be there too. That's a beautiful reminder about the, uh, about the mission of this church, beautiful and tangible. My prayer for this church is that we may be compassionate. We may act on our compassion for others. Jesus calls us to be disciples, not to be rule followers. The question we need to ask ourselves is which one are we? Are we a disciple or a rule follower? I have great faith that this can be a church filled with many compassionate disciples. For a church that looks outside of these walls and goes to the people. Why do we have compassion like a Samaritan? 
because God didn't pass us by. God didn't pass me by. When I was half dead, when I was bloodied, when I was broken, when I was bruised, when I was abandoned, when everyone else had given up on me, God had compassion on me and healed me and fixed me. Parable Kate did a couple weeks ago, the prodigal son, has the exact same words to describe the father as it does the Samaritan. Luke 15, 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran through his son, through his arms around his neck and kissed him. We have a God who is like the Samaritan and not like the priest or the Levites. Would y'all pray with me? Merciful, compassionate God, we thank you for who you are, that you are a God who doesn't abandon us on the side of the road, that you are a God who transforms our hearts to care about those who you care about. Father, my prayer is that each and every one of us in this church may be like Samaritans, that we may be a Samaritan church, that we may come to love you more and more each day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. Uh, we do that by uh, finding ways um, not to do everything, but to do the next step. And so today, uh, Jeremy's get, done a great job of uh, bringing to life the parable uh, of the Good Samaritan. And so our hope is that God has been working in your heart to take a next step in the area of serving others. If you'd like an idea of where you might go on a destination uh, for helping your neighbors, you can find the passports for serve uh, right outside. We have a mini mission fair going on, all local helping uh, agencies that we're involved in that you could contribute to, that you could volunteer at, and that you could participate in. I do hope that you'll take a little time uh, to go through and to check in with them. Uh, also, if today is the day that you'd like to join the congregation, we'd love for you to come down uh, during the closing song, um, and we'd love to plan for that time of when you'll join. Uh, also, some things to keep on the radar. Uh, we've got uh, vacation Bible school training after this service. Uh, we've got uh, poolside parables this evening for the youth. Uh, on July the 25th, uh, we'll be inviting our neighbors, the apartment complex next door, to come and have a meal with us. We hope that you'll come and uh, join us for that meal. And then there is one other thing I'm supposed to mention. There we go. There's a blood drive next week. That was not it, but it is now. That'll be wonderful. Uh, why don't we continue? Uh, Aubrey, come and lead us. Thank you for... Right, yes. Just a donation, not a total commitment. Um, thank you. Keep playing. I hope that if you're uh, looking for someone to pray with, uh, Harold Johnstone's here representing our Stephen ministers. Uh, he'd love to pray with you or arrange care for you or for someone else. And there's also uh, our prayer chapel is right behind, or our prayer room is right behind that brown door. Uh, I do hope that you'll take advantage of it. Uh, Jeremy Bass, our preacher this morning, has our benediction. Hold hands with someone next to you and we'll do our benediction. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for being a compassionate God. Father, we ask that you give us opportunities to act on compassion. And I pray a special blessing for everyone who hears the sound of my voice, that they might come to love you and know you more and more each day. I ask all this in the name of the risen Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.